All right, we're back. Episode 39, Cap and Trade. Uh, just me tonight, which is just fine. Landry's busy watching the Astros as I'm kind of watching them in the corner of my eye as well. Christian Javier, so far putting on a clinic, so excited to see that. I uh, just want to get on tonight, talk a little bit about what we saw this past Sunday. Um, I know I've been kind of promising a uh, salary cap 101 type session with how a Brandon Cooks trade, which ultimately did not happen, but how the mechanics of the salary cap would work with that. So if you're joining us on YouTube Live or Twitter Live, you can watch along. If you're on Spaces, you can listen along. But if you want to see, you know, the numbers as I'm messing with, you know, going through the different numbers and how they work, you know, hop over to the Twitter live feed or the YouTube live feed. And, uh, we'll, uh, you know, you can kind of see it from there and how it works from that perspective. But I mean, overall it, it was, it was a rough, rough game. I mean, is it, I, I was talking to some different folks up in the, in the media room on Sunday and, that was probably one of the worst, probably top five performances that just was bad, you know, from both sides of the ball. Even the special teams had a, a couple of hiccups. Cam Johnson let a punt get away from him, and that's rare to see from the special teams considering they're a top five unit across the league. But it was just a very difficult team to watch, difficult game to watch. I'm sure the fans saw the same thing, and it's just, it's just brutal. And at this point, I know a lot of folks have already jumped to 2023 and starting to look ahead and what's what's to come for the team, watching draft status, watching to see if Carolina can win a game or other teams and see what's going to happen from there. But it's just tough to be get a positive attitude towards this team, especially with when, when, with what went down during the trade deadline. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, it's just tough to watch them. And that's okay. You know, as a fan, the team is going to, going to have some downtimes and this feels like an extended downtime, but that's just the way it is. And we, you know, hopefully the team will find their way out of it. There are some building blocks to be had on this roster. Not very many of them, but there are a few. And, you know, as Damian Pierce, it's all the draft picks from this year and maybe a draft pick from the year before, you know, Grenard's still on IR, but it's really just Petrie Stingley, Christian Harris, Kenyon Green, Damian Pierce that you're looking forward to in the in the coming years and trying to build around those pieces. But it's it's just tough. And so, you know, this week we saw the draft the trade deadline come and go. There was a lot of speculation, a lot of news hovering around Brandon Cooks. Now I'm not going to go into specific specific detail of what's all going on with that, but I can tell you that the cryptic tweet that Cooks sent out right after the trade deadline passed that, you know, is the, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically you mess with my career. I'm not going to cover up the lies anymore. I really don't know what lies he would be covering up, but messing with my career, that's surely probably to go along the fact that he wanted out and the team couldn't make it happen. To me, I think Casario is kind of, I wouldn't say pander to the players, but he's kind of given in a couple times to the players' demands and let them go and you know get what they want. You know, we saw with Ingram last year, Kamu was released on his request, and Brandon Cooks wanted out, so he couldn't. You know, Casario obviously just 
wasn't going to take 50 cents on the dollar with the trade. He, it, and, and, and I commend it and I commend him for that. And that's kind of what I'm alluding to is he didn't just trade him just to trade him. Right. He didn't send him on his way just because he came in and asked for a trade or whatever the circumstances were, but it all intensive purposes, it looks like he wanted out and the team tried to make that happen, but just ultimately didn't find a trade partner. There was multiple teams interested. Kansas City was calling early, but they moved on and moved on to uh, Kadarius Tony, who they traded for with uh, the Giants. Green Bay was in it, but you know Green Bay, they're not going to give up big draft capital, just like the same thing with Real, Will Fuller a couple years ago. They didn't want to give up big draft capital for him. So Green Bay was in it. Rams were in it pretty heavy but they wanted to stuff Cam Akers into any con- any kind of trade that they wanted to to make with any other team. So in Houston, I mean, Cam Akers sounded great and all, but is he really that much better than than Dario Gomboale? I mean, he's better than Rex Burkhead, but at the end of the day, do you really want to lower your draft compensation that you would get for Brandon Cooks just to get, you know, a year and a half of Cam Akers who's coming off an Achilles? No. That's not what you want to do. So, you know, the Rams, that was what they were wanting to do. We talked about the Packers. Kansas City moved on. The last two teams that were hot and heavy on it was Minnesota Vikings and Dallas Cowboys. Minnesota Vikings is a team I I would be scared to trade with, and this is why. I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to pronounce their, their general manager's name but he is a very extremely, very extremely. That's what you want to say. That doesn't make sense, but he is very gifted, very smart. And he did all the draft work for San Francisco when he worked there. He did all the draft valuations. He did all the studies on draft analysis. And if there's anybody you're going to trade against, that's probably the one person you don't want to trade against. So, I say that I'm not I'm not saying that Casario should be scared to trade with Minnesota. I'm just saying just you just got to be really on your game if you're going to trade with him. So Minnesota was in it and Dallas was in it. We heard Jerry Jones the past two or three days pretty much alluding that they wanted to make a move and make a move and they were really ready to give up draft compensation for it. But it, do, it shouldn't shock you to know that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and Will McClay, Will McClay is really – the brains behind the operation up there, despite Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones getting all the camera time. I, I'm confident that Casario was probably working with Will McClay when they were discussing trade trade demands between the two teams. And it sounded like based on Edward's report that they were discussing up until the deadline. And I think Minnesota was in it early on. They moved on and they went ahead and went with the tight end route with TJ Hawkinson out of Detroit. So that dropped them out of the deal. So I just left Dallas here at the end. And I, if I had to guess, I mean, I, I, I hear some things, some things I'm not going to say, but if I had to guess, Dallas was probably not, a, probably not even wanting to give more than like a fourth round, maybe a future third round valuation on Brandon Cooks. He certainly, they certainly weren't going to come up to a second round. And that's what Casario was looking for. Casario was looking for the second rounder potentially third third day draft compensation on top of it 
to me, it seemed like it was more along the lines, if you were going to get a second for Cooks, then you were probably going to have to send one year six rounders with him to kind of net it out. So if you sent Cooks and your pick 181 or 208, something like that, with Cooks in exchange for a second round pick, then that nets out to like a late third, early fourth round once you combine everything out. So I think that's probably what would have happened or what would have needed to happen to get Cooks traded. Now, the tweet that Cooks sent out, that was his displeasure of the team not getting a trade done. And was it the right thing to do? Do you just do you just trade a player just to trade a player? Not really. You know, Cooks is, I mean, by all intents and purposes, he's a good player. He's a good wide receiver. He's His performance has bound, been down this year. He's not happy with the offensive scheme. It's not fitting him. And it bears out in his numbers. His numbers are down dramatically compared to, you know, what is he, like five or six years in a row of 1,000 yards uh, receiving, and he is way off of that pace. He's going to have to have a stellar back out of the season to keep that streak going. So at this point, I'm really interested to see what happens tomorrow night because he's he was excused from practice yesterday and he was excused from practice t- uh, today. If he doesn't, if he ends up being inactive for the game tomorrow, that paints a really bad picture, I think, for everybody involved, really. I mean, it paints a really bad picture for Cooks because he he is dis, displeased, disgruntled, whatever you want to call it. And the fact that he's just not even willing to come to practice just not does not look good for him. Considering he signed a $36 million two-year contract eight months ago or six months ago, whatever it was, it was in the offseason, right? So the fact that he signed that contract knowing what the team was, what stage they were in the rebuild, where they are, where they were with things. He had to have known that this wasn't going to be turned around overnight. And if it was, if that's what he thought, then, you know, maybe needed a little more research, but I think even the fans knew that this wasn't going to be a playoff team this year. So the fact that you, you sign this contract knowing this, and then turn around and ask for a trade because things are not going your way and you're, and Easterby gets fired and whatever it may be. It's just not, it's just not a good look for cooks at all. I don't, I don't know if really, there might be a few people that are on the player side when it comes to, to trades and things like that. But I think for, from a high level view from the van, fan perspective, it, it doesn't look good on cooks and it doesn't look good on cooks when you don't get your way. And then you, you get excused from practice for personal reasons. So it's just a bad look all around. And, you know, maybe he'll show up tomorrow. I I don't even know if he's missed two days in a row. I mean, do you really want him in the game? I mean, I would think he knows the system enough that he can get into the game and not have really any problems. But, man, if it's going to be a a Tyron Johnson, Philip Dorsett, Jalen Camp, Chris Moore show at the wide receiver position, oh, boy, Davis Mills got a rough day because this Eagles defense – is very very good. I mean, it's it's not just their offense for a reason why they're seven and zero and undefeated. This team has two very good corners in James Bradbury and Darius Slay. They have a very good slot cornerback in Maddox as well. Very good pass rush. Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. I mean, lucky for Houston, Jordan Davis is not going to play. He's on IR now for the next four weeks. He was a monster on the inside. But they still have another defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave, who's a very good, 
very good player, and he subbed in for Jordan Davis last week and ended up with, I think, a PFF grade of a little over 90 for the for the game. So that that defense is just putting everything to the nails, and Houston's going to have a very difficult time putting up points. I think the line right now is 13, 13 and a half. I would have trouble taking the points on this against Houston. So they're going to have a, a, a tough slow of it when it comes from the Houston offense against Philly's defense. The other flip, the other flip side, AJ Brown, I, it's going to be interesting to see if, if Derek Stingley ends up shadowing him or if they let Stevie Nelson and Stingley take him depending on where he lines up at. Jalen Hurts having a fantastic year. Local Houston guy from Channel View right up the road from here. He's having a good year. He can run the ball as well. So this, you know, they're they're a good, very good, very good offense. Dallas Goder is the tight end there, and he he can play as well. So I have a very difficult, very difficult time seeing how Texans can win this game. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, and I, I get it. You, you hope for an upset. You hope for something. If you ask my partner Landry, he 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 wants the team to lose. I think a lot of fans would probably already would take that sentiment, just so you know that uh, the draft compensation continues to go in the right direction. You know, so that the team is picking first, second, third, something like that. But this is, I mean, it's it's gonna be, it's just a bad look altogether. You get run over by Tennessee. That was a, that was not a 17 to 10 game. If you were just to go look at the box score and see that, you would think it was a one-score game. That wasn't a one-score game. That was a complete demolition of their offense. Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hayward, former Texan, who I don't know how he didn't make the roster, but he didn't. Those two just completely ran over and gassed out the defense, gassed out the defensive line. I mean, even if you had Malik Collins in there, I don't know how much more of a difference that would made. I mean, he's a he's a solid player, but when you're having to run Thomas Booker, Kurt Heinish, and Roy Lopez as your defensive interior rotation, I don't know what you expect from them. I don't know. I think this defense, I think they've done well for the for the talent level that is out there. And you see the the coverage does well. Of course, Malik Malik uh Willis only threw the ball one time in the second half less. So it paints a good picture on the on the uh, on the coverage, but gosh, man, that is tough to watch, and it and it's not going to stop. This team is going to have trouble stopping players. Christian Harris still having his uh, he's still showing signs. Very good player. He still has his welcome to NFL rookie moments, picking the wrong lanes, picking the wrong assignments, getting lost in the shuffle and runs. I haven't really seen him too much in coverage just yet, but. We'll, we'll see how, you know, because obviously they only passed one time this past week, but he'll have his work cut out for him this time. So we'll see if he gets a little bit of work in the coverage. But between getting run over by Tennessee, the Brandon Cooks dilemma and all the nonsense, you know, he was liking every single tweet that spoke about him in a trade. I think he liked like 18 or 20 tweets in the past 48 hours leading up to the trade deadline. Then his cryptic tweets about being displeased and and messing with my career and whatever else he wanted to talk about. And then skipping practice two days in a row, skipping unexcused, whatever you call him. He wasn't there. 
followed by playing against the best team in the, in the NFL right now. So that just makes things makes things difficult. And you know, hopefully the Texans can put together some kind of coherent game plan and at least make it look like they're somewhat in this game and not get blown out. If they get blown out, I, I really don't know how they recover for the rest of the season. Um, but at this point, you, you really need to start trying to find a way to see as many of your young players as you can. Um, you know, Kirksey's still out there at linebacker with Christian Harris and Garrett Wallow's coming in as uh, the third linebacker on base defense. They let go of uh, Damone Harris today, so that's another defensive lineman that's, that's out of the rotation. So that opens up a roster spot. So more than likely, that's probably going to be Tavier Thomas's spot. I think he'll probably start out on special teams. Desmond King's been playing very well this year, so there's no reason to bring in Tavier Thomas and and him take over the slot cornerback position over over um I'm having yeah Tavier Thomas over Desmond King sorry I had a little brain fart there so you know I think that's probably going to be the transaction that happens tomorrow we'll see what happens on the elevation front they're going to have to they're going to have to elevate two players obviously just with the amount of players that are going to be out Malik Collins is out Nick Nico Collins is out uh, Neville Hewitt is out. Justin McCray is out. So you'll probably see Casey McDermott elevated again. And you'll probably you'll probably see Jalen Camp elevated again, especially if Brandon Cooks doesn't play. If Brandon Cooks doesn't play, um, not really sure what they're going to elevate from there. You know, Graylin Arnold is out again, so maybe they elevated a defensive back. But it all hinges if Brandon Cooks going to play, and it's you know it's just frustrating. It is. It's tough to to watch. It's tough for fans. And I get it. I'm a fan at the end of the day, just like you. Um, and it's just tough to watch. It's tough to to have respect for this team to what they're doing, especially these last few weeks. You know, you see Lovey getting getting frustrated with with media and their questions. Um, you know, it's just it's it's all over the place. It's every aspect you can think of, every angle it comes from. There's something going on with this team, and what the fan base has been through for the past 24 months. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to feel bad for the fan base. And you, you kind of thought you might see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel when the season started, but that light's been blown out and it's gotten dark again. And it, you know, fans are just wondering when they're going to come out of this funk. When are they going to be able to put a team that can go out there and put up more than 10, 15 points a game? When are they going to put a team out there that, can compete for a playoff spot? When are they going to put a team out there that can compete through the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl? We don't know. So hopefully they'll figure it out. Hopefully we'll get things going. You know, I, you know, I have the, the confidence meter and it's kind of, you know, the Davis Mills confidence meter, the fan confidence meter. This week, the, the voting finished up at 10% and it was a heavy 10%. It was like 72%, I think on 10% of confidence in Davis Mills. And I, I, I opted not to, to publish the, the new meter because I feel like it was just, and I've been thinking about this for about a week or so ago, and I got a little bit of feedback as well that most of the fans, at least on Twitter that, that look at that thing have probably already moved on to 2023 and are never going to come back on Davis Mills. Or if they did, it would take a 
multiple games of success from him to get their confidence back. So I, I didn't publish the meter because it just felt like it, it didn't add any value at this point. It was fun for a couple of weeks, but it just felt like I'm ragging on the guy even further, right? I mean, he's having a tough time. He's in a rough offensive scheme. He's not doesn't have any surrounding cast. Um, the interior offensive line can't protect him. Nobody's getting open. Defense can't get off the field. You know, it's it's just it's tough for him. And I'm I'm not saying other people are the reason for Davis Mills. He's contributing to the issues as well. But I'm just saying I don't want to put that poll out and that meter out and just continue to rag on the guy. If he if he puts together two or three games in a row that show signs that he's coming back around, he's getting his confidence back, happy feet's gone away, he's you know putting together a game plan, then we'll 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 revisit the fan confidence meter. But at this point, I, I don't see a point in in putting it out there. So, but I appreciate you everybody listening in. I and you know, see we got about thirty or forty people on on Twitter Spaces. Got some folks on YouTube Live. You know, hit me up in the comments section. See, we got a few already on YouTube, and they got one on uh, Twitter Spaces. So, you know. Um, you know, hit me up either way. We'll uh, try to get to as many questions as we can before we get dive into the uh, the Brandon Cooks hypothetical trade scenario and how the salary cap dynamics work on that. So uh, look over here at Twitter Spaces. So Jonathan, you know, and if you want to talk, feel free. Send a request and uh, we'll answer your questions that way as well. Uh, I've got it all figured out between the three sources, between uh, Twitter Spaces Live and YouTube Live. So we can make that work as well. And if you got a comment, just post it there. So Jonathan Post, now that the trade deadline is gone, what does the trade market look like after the season? Being curious, the trade market for Tunsil in the offseason, not sure who else has much trade value. So I think Cook's trade value probably will go down at this point, right? I think his highest trade value was right now. Is I don't know that his performance is going to get any better the back half of the year. And I think a lot of teams are going to see that and say, well, here's a player that's 29 about to turn 30 and his performance is declining regardless of the situation that he is in. His body language on the field is not good. You saw that last week or this past Sunday where I think it was in the first quarter. It was like he was, he was running a go route. It was a it was a an out route that turned into a go route and Davis Mills threw the out route, the dig route, and Cooks was on his way down the field. He actually had his guy beat. But when Mills threw the ball behind him, Cooks didn't even turn around. He just walked off the field. Didn't turn around to talk to Mills, didn't turn around to communicate, and like, oh my bad, you're bad, whatever was going on. He just walked off the field. So I think when you start putting all that stuff together, and if that trend of his performance continues, I think his trade value goes down, especially with the guaranteed salary. I think the only way around this is probably going to be like a day three pick. You know, kind of think about like the Amari Cooper situation in, in Dallas where he they traded him for a six-rounder. I think that's kind of the, the, the trend that you're looking at. Now, if... Cooks really wanted to get a trade done. He would get his contract adjusted, free up those guarantees, but there's absolutely no reason for him to do so. 
I mean, it's either he has the leverage from that standpoint that the team either trades me and the next team deals with my guarantees or you release me and I still get my money. So I think I'm not trying to say that Casario should have dealt him just to, just to trade him, but I think his trade value was probably higher yesterday than it will be in March. As for Tunsil, he's going to be looking for a new contract. From my understanding, he is already starting to put together numbers. His camp is already put, putting together numbers to prepare for extension talks in the offseason. It's not to say that he's a trade candidate. He very well might be a trade candidate. But I, from my understanding, he's fairly happy here. He's happy to get an extension here and stay with the team. He's he's still playing like a top five, at least from the pa pass blocking side, he's playing like a top five tackle. He still has his days on run blocking, you know, but at the end of the day, dude shows up and plays. He is what he is, but when it comes game time, he's a gamer. So I've been in the, the camp of, of extending Tunsil. You're going to have to do something with him in the off season. You're either going to have to, I think he's his cap charge is a little over $35 million. You're either going to have to trade him or extend him. There's really no way around it. This is last year contract, so you can't restructure him without signing a whole new contract, and there's absolutely no reason for Tunsil to do that. To If you just wanted to do the tack on four void years, do the conversion, and spread the money out, there's absolutely no reason for Tunsil to do that because it messes with his franchise tag number. So, at this point, the team is either going to have to trade or extend him. And I've got numbers put together for, for an extension, and we'll probably look at those pretty heavily in the offseason. I really don't uh, really don't want to dive into it just yet. I kind of want to wait to see what I hear. But I'm pretty sure he's going to want to reset the market, and that's going to be trying to exceed Trent Williams. So th at this point, the team's just got to do an evaluation. Do we want to get maybe a second rounder for Tunsil? I don't think you'd be able to get a first rounder. But maybe, maybe you can, but maybe it's an early first, an early second rounder or, or a future first, something like that. And, you know, let the next team deal with it. But I think, I think you've got to have some type of foundation. You know, you're going to have Titus Howard under contract next year, Kenyon Green. AJ can will be under contract next year. Try to figure out the the center position and get Tunsil extended, and you you maintain some continuity on that front line, regardless of who the quarters who the quarterback is going to be next year. So that kind of be my thought. I really don't see any other players on this roster. Let me just pull up the roster here real quick. I really don't see any other players on the roster from a twenty twenty three standpoint that would be able to garner any kind of trade value. Let's see here. Murray's probably going to be gone. Collins, Kirksey, Hughes, Nelson. You don't want to trade. You don't want to trade Steven Nelson. I mean, there's really nobody, nobody at all that would have any kind of trade value. No. No, so really it's just Tunsil or Cooks. So, Jonathan, that, that, that's pretty much your only hopes if you wanted to trade any players out. 
So Dr. Barrett, can you discuss where the cap space will be this summer with the rest of the dead money being gone? Yeah, we can get into that. And then uh, Travis on YouTube, I see your question. Al Michaels is going to be roasting us too. I bet he mentions Cook's debacle and the empty stadium. Travis, you are entirely right. Al Michaels is going to eat up that empty stadium. Ooh, he loves to mention that stuff. And he will probably bring up the Cooks thing. He just loves picking on teams. So that'll be fun to see what Al Michaels has to say. Uh, Dr. Barrett, so for your question for cap space next year, this number is going to change a little bit. So, so be careful with running with this number that I'm going to say. So today the projected number is around 48 million in cap space. Now I say, be careful with that. That's only with 37 contracts. So every contract you sign up until you get to 51 contracts, that number is going to come down. So if we, if, if you sign out of your 16 players, that are on your practice squad, if you sign 12 of them, let's see what that number comes out to. So that's 9 million alone. If you sign 12 of those pro practice squatters to future contracts, you're looking at 9, 10 million. So right there, right off the bat, you're down to 35 or 38, 39 million cap space. The draft clash is going to be very big especially with two first rounders. And if, if Casario trades out of one of those first rounders and trades down and garners more, more first round picks or something like that, or another second round pick or things like that, that's going to make the effective cap space go down even further. So if you wanted a, a, a kind of a ballpark, I would say your effective cap space. And I say effective with, with air quotes, right? So that's factoring in um, contracts to get you up to the 51 contract number for your top 51. Factoring in your draft class, you're probably looking at like 20, 22 in cap space. So it's not as good as as it seems on face value when you just say 48 million in cap space. You got to be careful when you think about that. So, but like we talked about Larry Mantunsel, he's got a $35.2 million cap charge. If you extend him or trade him that number, whether it's a dead number from the trade or an extension, you can probably save another, I think on my extension that I kind of have written up for him, I think it's a savings of about 11 million in cap space for this year. So you can recoup just those numbers right there from, from your future signings. So, I think if you if you just wanted a hard kind of a ballpark number, you're looking at 22, 25 million in, in available cap dollars that can go towards free agency. Um, that's without any player releases, right? So you might have Eric Murray, who would be a player release. That's going to save you four million. Um, Christian Kirksey, if they move on from him, that's five million. Justin Britt. Obviously going to move on from him. That's $4 million. Reeves, Maven, the linebacker, linebacker six, who has guaranteed money even in the next year. That's another $2 million. So there's players that you can get rid of as well and free up more free up more money. But just know that just always look, when you're looking at overthecap.com, when you go to the team page, look at that contracted players number. It says 37 total right now. That until it gets to 51 and above, any player you sign is going to eat into that cap space pretty heavily. 
Okay. So just kind of keep that in mind. Let's see here if there's any other questions before we go over to And Jonathan says, agree with you, just stuck on paying a tackle the high end of the position dollar amount when we're going nowhere in the near future. I get it, Jonathan, I get it. But the way I view it, so a, a next year's second round tackle is going to be going to that be noticeable in this team. So the way I view it is it's going to be difficult to find a replacement for Tunsil. Okay. The team's going to need to spend some money next year probably not top of the market in terms of comparison comparing to other teams but to meet their 90 percent cash spending threshold they're gonna have to spend a little bit of money so why not keep your keep your tackle it's very difficult to find very very good left tackles especially pass blocking tackles and tonsil is what it is in run blocking he has his good days he's had bad days but i think the getting a pick just to open up another hole on your roster who's going to be right next to a second year guard i think that's just asking a lot of the team and i think it's just better off try to build, have some kind of foundation in place some continuity in place re-sign tonsil and and take that money forward you know I t- you know when i talk about the cash spending so over a three-year period, and right now we're in year two of it, so it's 21, 22, and 23, you take all the cash spending that a team does towards their roster. It has to be not 90% of the salary cap. So you take the salary cap for 2021, which is $182.5 million, plus this year, plus next year, right? You add up all three of those. And you have to be 90% of that number. So this year it was 28.2 million. Last year it was 182.5 million. Say it's 225 million next year. You add up those three numbers times 90%. That's how much cash the Texans need to spend. Right now, I think they're at like 87% just on projections, but that includes the players that are currently under contract for 2023. That does not include the rookie class. So if you start start subtracting some of those players, right, like Eric Murray, Christian Kirksey, Justin Britt, things like that, you're going to have to find other places. You're going to have to spend money to get up to that 90% number. Tunsil will help with that, right? So that's kind of my thinking as well on that front. All right, let's see here. See if there's any other questions before we jump over to the – before we jump over to the Brandon Cooks salary cap 101. So Chris Barboza, any free agent targets you'd like to see in the team go after this upcoming class looks so weak. Hopefully some good players are cap casualties. I haven't really dove into free agency. I kind of generally kind of wait till we get towards the end of the year, but you are not lying. Just from what I have looked at a little bit, the free eight, the free agency class, especially wide receiver. We saw this past year where just contracts were just blowing out of the water. This next, this free agency class next year looks, looks dark. Looks very dark. Nelson Aguilar, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, Byron Ping, Pringle, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju Schuster Smith, 
Sterling Shepard, who's hurt again. Randall Cobb, Houston Texans, great. Jarvis Landry, Nikhil Harry, Jameson Crowder. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it just looks it looks bad, Chris. Um let's see what tight end market looks like. Tight end might be a little bit different. You got Dalton Schultz is coming off the franchise tag and Mike Gasecki coming off the franchise tag because not entirely sure Brandon Jordan survives after this year. Um Evan Ingram, the Jaguars. And after that, it just kind of goes into a dark hole. <laughs> Another spot that's bad. What's safety look like? Jesse Bates, Jordan Poirier, Jimmy Ward. Man, it's just rough all around. What about the edge? Robert Quinn, Nagakwe. Bradley Chubb's going to get signed with Dolphins. Golly, man. And I, I hadn't even looked at it that hard, Chris. So that just makes me uh makes me even more sad. So yeah, it's pretty awful. We need a new defensive line. As well as a center and a tight end. Yeah, we need a lot. Uh, defensive line is is amazing because at the very beginning of the year, I remember hearing different folks talk about the defensive line is probably the deepest position group on the Texans. Wow, did that change quickly, right? Um, Jerry Hughes has just fallen off the cliff after that first game. Um, Mario Addison is what he is. Jonathan Gernard back on IR. Malik Collins hurt. Roy Lopez is a, a shadow of what we saw last year. Man, they've this team has got a lot. And when it comes to Lovey's scheme, you need defensive line that's going to get after it and get after the quarterback. You can't have what they're having and expect this scheme to succeed. I'm not saying you got to replace the scheme or replace Lovey, but if you're going to continue to run this scheme, you need four guys that can get upfield and get on the quarterback, get behind the line of scrimmage, put some pressure in, but they just don't have that. And, oh, Chris got me in a sad mood now. And now Twitter doesn't want to refresh. I had a fourth comment in there, but I don't see it anymore. Maybe it'll refresh here in a minute. Try it one more time. No, maybe they, maybe they deleted it. So we'll give this, uh, we'll give this uh, screen share thing here a shot. See how this works. Let me take this here off. All right. Present screen share. All right, so if you're on Twitter Spaces, I know you can't see this. Um, you can kind of listen through the process. If you do want to see it, jump. You know, I think uh, there's a Twitter Live feed on my timeline. You can hop over and watch that, or you can jump over to the YouTube channel, the Cap and Trade YouTube channel, watch it from there. So what I have here is is some numbers that would represent the contracts and how this would work. So this first, this first area right here, this is the current contract with, with Houston. Okay. 
P5, which is paragraph five, that's the base salary. That's just, if you look at a player contract, literally the fifth paragraph in the contract is what specifies the player's base salary numbers. So that's why everybody calls it a P5. So if you hear P5, you hear me say P5, I'm talking about base salary. This is the guaranteed P5 category, prorated. So this is all the signing bonus money, RB, roster bonus. This is lump sum, one-time payment roster bonus money. PGRB, this is per-game roster bonus. So Houston is heavy heavy into per-game roster bonuses. Probably over 50% of the uh, of the roster that are not rookie contracts have these. Uh, Casario is big into using these. Rick Smith was big into using them. Um, but Casario is big into using them as well. Makes my life that much more fun calculating those and keeping up with those. Uh, this next column is restructure. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. That's, that's what happened earlier this year. And then you got the cap number column, cash pay column. And the, the old money, I put that in here just to illustrate Cooks's old contract versus this new contract. Then we've got uh, Houston after the trade. So this will be kind of what's left over for Houston in the acquiring team, things like that. So this is how, this is the number for, for Brandon Cook. So let's say yesterday for hypothetical purposes, a, a trade went down. Texans traded Brandon Cooks. Let's just say he went to Dallas, right? Okay. This is his current, current count, current contract. He had a nine points. He has a $9.74 million cap charge for this year. That number would go up. I think, $29,412 if he played all 17 games, but essentially 9.7, 9.8 million. He was going to, he's going to earn 18.5 million in cash this year. So a lot of, uh, a lot of cash over cap on this, on this contract. Old money was 13.7. So I put that in there. That's what he was due this year. If he didn't get the new extension would have been a much easier contract to trade. But the team did it and, you know, it brought down his cap number quite a bit. So you see, he essentially got almost a $5 million raise this year. Now, if the team were to trade him, the way you, the way this works is you see the P5 drops down to 546. That's essentially what the team would have paid him this year, right? I'm going to scroll down and I like to use this little calendar. So the team would have paid him all these weeks. He wouldn't have gotten paid for week nine because he's going to the next team. So you see, this is eight weeks worth of pay, right? His rate is two million. He had a base salary of two million to start the year, and after one week, they restructured it. So his rate, his P five rate, went down to the minimum one point one two million. So he got he got paid. One million of uh, one week at two million and seven weeks at the additional rate. So right there, five hundred and forty-six thousand. That's what what have the Texans would have paid him in salary for this year if they traded him. He's got per game roster bonuses total of five hundred thousand. So it would have been seven games played, two hundred and five thousand eight hundred and eighty-two dollars. So if the team would have traded him. His cap number would have been $8.8 million in dead money. That's a culmination of his P5, his prorated money, and his 
per game roster bonus money that's been paid out. 8.8 million would have been his his dead money charge. So it would have been about $900,000 cap savings. They would have paid him $17.5 million on that extension just to trade him nine months later. Now, if you see up here earlier, there's an additional prorated money in 2023 and 2024. That money would hit, that dead money would hit in next year. So when you're looking at prorated money, when you're looking at salary cap tables, when things accelerate all into the same year or they split up between two years is all dependent upon a date, which is June 1st. Okay. So if the transaction happens before June 1st, all that prorated money you see when you're at overthecap.com, all that money accelerates into the current year. If you're past June 1, then the prorated money for the current year stays. Any future prorated money stays in that following year. So in this case, 2023 and 2024 prorated money would combine and accelerate into the 2023 year. So this would leave a dead number, a cap number, a dead cap number of 8.8 million in this year, 16.2 million next year on a trade, right? No cash paid next year, 17.5 million cash. The new team takes over the remainder of this contract, right? So they would take, He's going to be at the base rate, so we'll just zero this out. There's 18 weeks in the season, right? So they would take him from 11-1 all the way into the last week of the season. That's 10 weeks of pay. So we'll change this to 10 weeks. $622,222 right there. That's, your, that's the acquiring team's P5 number. They would be responsible for the rest of his per game roster bonus money. So their cap charge for the acquiring team would be 886,000 for this year. All that prorated money that was paid out that stays with the Texans. That does not go to the next team. After that, the team would still be responsible for that $18 million that's guaranteed in 2023. And that was kind of a sticking point for some teams that were willing that wanted to trade for cooks they didn't want to take on that liability of that 18 million so that that stays that carries over salary guarantees carry over to the following team and then his additional per per game roster bonus money and then he's got a lump sum roster bonus in 2024 that's due on the fifth day of the league year we'll talk about that here in a minute so that's how you're basically you split it up you figure out where on the calendar you know i have this little calendar I built that kind of helps me differentiate how many weeks goes here versus there. But essentially your the Texans would be responsible for the salary paid this year per game roster bonus money paid this year, the signing bonus proration, the future prior the future signing bonus proration and how it separates out like we talked about since since we're past June 1st. It hits all in this year. It hits all in 2023 right here, and that's how it splits up. If this trade were to happen like May, whatever, before June 1st, right? Say it happened on draft night this year. All of this prorated money, this $24.3 million in prorated money, would all accelerate into 2022. 
which would have put the team upside down and having a negative cap number. So that's essentially how it would work. If you're if you're following along on Twitter Spaces, I'm sorry you couldn't see the uh, the display, but uh, if you're following along on on YouTube Live or uh, on Twitter Live, you'd be able to see how everything's breaking down. But that's essentially how it works. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, which is kind of a neat little neat little deal that agents should be trying to do. So Brandon Cooks has a three million dollar roster bonus in 2024 and it's due on the fifth day of the league year that's pretty common a lot of a lot of teams will do start of league year third day of league year fifth day of league year the league year starts in march i think this coming year it's or in 2023 it's march 15th so that's when the new calendar league year starts that's when contracts you know like if you're if you were pending to be a free agent in 2023 the day before that that's when your contract ends right so he would be due a three million dollar lump sum payment on the fifth day of the 2023 league year, or 2024 league year so that would be if it was march 15th again it'd be march 20th is when he would be due that payment a lot of times a smart agent will try to get a lump sum roster bonus in year three or year four of a player contract especially for an older player and what this does is it forces the team to make a decision right because if if you have no guaranteed money and cooks has no guaranteed money in 2024 the team could string him out keep him on the roster the entire offseason through training camp and then decide to cut him and the final cut down of 53 man and he has no prospects to go to a new team to sign for decent money He's going to have to go take a one-year flyer deal somewhere else, things like that. And it puts the player in a very bad position leverage-wise to sign a new contract. So if you get that early roster bonus, it allows it – allows, it makes the team have to make a decision, right? $3 million is $3 million. So the team early, early, early in the process has to make a decision. Do we want to pay that money and keep Brandon Cooks here, or do we want to release him and not pay that $3 million and let another team sign him. And that gives him a chance to get back out in free agency early in the process, early in offseason, and try to go find another team and sign for, you know, probably 80% of what he was probably going to make with the with the Texans, whoever he's with in 2024, if this same contract stays. So that's essentially why I think it's a very good idea for teams to to get that kind of that kind of a structure in the last or third year fourth year of the contract especially if you're an aging player that's a very smart maneuver that was a good job by brandy cook's agent to uh to get that in there so and it gives you a little early cash flow right you know you're a player you know you get your pay over 18 weeks or 36 weeks whichever whichever way you have it set up um players yeah they get paid weekly or they get paid split out over 36 weeks i think it was a new addition to the cba this time around but they're essentially, you know, you're not other than some player benefits and some small OTA pay, training camp benefit pay. You know, you're not really making your substantial salary money until the season starts. So that three million dollars is just a nice little, nice little early offseason present. So that's essentially how it breaks down. It's 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 fairly straightforward. You just got to split up who pays what. You know, when you're going to look at the different websites like Over the Cap and that other place 
Spotrack, whatever it is. <laughs> if you go look there, wherever you look, you'll see dead numbers. Just think, just know that those numbers are based on the start of the season. They're not calculating in, because I know it over the cap, we're not, we're not going to calculate week by week. And based on today, this is what the dead number would be. That's based on the start of the season. That's why this, these numbers would be completely different than what you saw on over the cap if you went. Let's just look at Brandon Cooks. So, yeah, his dead number on the trade post G1 says 8.1, 8.110. That's this number. That assumes that he's traded prior to the regular season and all that salary goes to the new team. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at these numbers on these websites. They're pretty close, but just know that they're they're calculating based on the start of the season. So that's that. This mouse is loud. Get my overlay back on. All right. Well, I think that's probably about all I had covered tonight. Um, I'm not going to be at the game tomorrow. Got a got a few things going on with the family, so I'm not going to be able to cover the game from from upstairs from the press box, from upstairs from way upstairs at NRG. Um, but I'll I'll hopefully be able to watch the game. If not, I'll catch it on catch it later. But you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a rough game. It's going to be a very 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 tough game. I'd be afraid to take the points at this at this standpoint with the team. Um, 13, 13 and a half. Wouldn't be surprised if they beat up by more than that. Maybe the Texans will surprise us, but I have a hard time believing it. And, you know, maybe we'll see some of the younger players back out on the field. This past week, we saw Jonathan Owens get benched for Eric Murray. We saw um, Petrie come off the field for the first time as well. For, you know, so it's it's interesting to see that rotation, but I really just, you know, want to keep, continue to keep an eye on Christian Harris. See how he's doing. Stingley, as always, see how he compares up to uh, A.J. Brown. Stevie Nelson. I think those are going to be the players I'm going to be watching. See how Kenyon Green and A.J. Kane handle up to the interior of uh, of the Eagles' defensive line, which is a monster defensive line, even without Fletcher Cox. I mean, not Fletcher Cox, without Jordan Davis. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. That's just going to be... A quite a, a quite a challenge for this offensive line, and we'll see how they hold up. See if Pep can uh, figure it out and not try to call a flea flicker on the first play of the game, um, or within the first series. I don't know what he was thinking with that, but I think that's about all I had. Um, I appreciate everybody joining in. Uh, thank you for taking the time to to join and listen and. I know you're, we've got a lot of folks on Twitter spaces. If there's any other questions, shoot them in real quick. Or if you've got a question you want to talk, hit the request button on the bottom left of the screen. But if not, we'll uh, start moving towards closing things down. I'll try to get the uh, podcast version of the show probably up later this week. I didn't record it on my audio interface, so we'll see. We'll see how this works with getting the recording from StreamYard, but I should be able to, and we'll get it. We'll get it posted up 
And uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to the channel, Cap and Trade on YouTube. And make sure you take a look at the, the newsletter, capandtrade.substack.com. Uh, try to get I, that's where I'll publish all the po- the podcast. They'll they'll be published through the through Substack. They're doing a lot of cool things over there now. Um, they got the chat function going there. So if you have the the Substack app on your iOS device or Android device, and you read read the newsletter that way, you can uh, always send me a message that way as well. Um, I'm gonna try to get another newsletter up here in the next week or two. Uh, I've got a couple thoughts of things I want to write about. Not so not so much Texans related, but more so the rest of the rest of the league year and just kind of some high level thoughts on the league and where things are headed. So um like we talked about earlier, I think free agency is probably gonna be a dud this coming off season. Maybe we'll get a few cap casualties and get a few names out there, but as we kinda as we kinda looked at before, it's it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. And Texans got a lot of holes to fill. So We'll see what happens, but I kind of want to start taking a peek at those things. So make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. It comes straight out to your inbox. As soon as I hit publish, I usually publish it before I post it on social media. Give uh, the folks that subscribe a chance to read it before anybody else does. It's a free new. I'm having trouble speaking tonight. It is a free newsletter. I don't charge for it. Happy to do it. Um, I think I'll eventually post up an option to pay if you want to. If you want to donate, but you know, I try to keep it free as best I can. There's no ads or anything like that on there. And uh, you know, make make sure you hit that subscribe button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap. And with that, I think we will go ahead and shut it down. Everybody have a good night, and we will see y'all next week. Thank you. <laughs>